This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Feels. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash no meat, and you'll get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash no meat. This episode is also brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T, the electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. Yep, that means a lot of salts and zero sugar. Try it today for just the cost of shipping. Go to drinkelement.com slash athlete. That's drinklmnt.com slash athlete. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Meet Athlete Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. Today, I am joined once again by Izzy Fisher. Izzy, how's it going? Good. How are you, Doug? I'm doing well. What's new? Anything? I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot because I think last time we talked, I was in Boulder. Now I'm back in Boston, but I'm moving back to Boulder, and I'm actually moving to Hawaii. I'm leaving this weekend for a short stint. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stay for like one or two months, and then move nice. back to Boulder. So I'm looking forward to that, but I had to get four COVID tests today in order to fly. So it's been a little bit hectic. Four COVID tests? I yeah. Mean, like... Well, technically you need two negative ones, but I'm worried that like I won't get the results <laughs> back for a Sunday flight. So like naturally my hyperachiever self is just like, okay, I'm just going to get four <laughs> just in case. <laughs> because if you don't get them, you literally have to quarantine in a hotel with a bracelet on your ankle like a wow. location bracelet on your ankle for 10 days. And I, I really don't want to do that. It's like jail. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be fun. I'm sure Hawaii is lovely this time of year. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And I've heard uh, my parents are, they moved there. So they're there, Kauai on the island, Kauai. And uh-huh. there, there's zero cases on the island right now. And my mom was wow. like, no one wears masks. Like we go out to restaurants. COVID doesn't really exist here. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. My uh, my father and uh, stepmom live, um, or they they live on a sailboat and um, oh, awesome. sail around. And right now they are really all year since COVID. They've been stuck in on a little town or a little island called Bonaire. Bonaire. Okay, where is that? Um, somewhere in the Caribbean. That is so cool that they <laughs> well, live. Do they have kids or is it just them? No, just them. Yep. They, uh, well, I'm their kid. They have me and, and my siblings. Right. But, um, no, but all, we're all grown. So they, uh, yeah, no, it's just them on a sailboat. And they live like, you know, they were supposed to be sailing around for the last year. And I uh, kind of got stuck there because a lot right. of islands either won't take them or if they leave, then they're not guaranteed to get in someplace. And, and so they really just kind of been stuck on this island that has had very, very few cases. And it, like, total different life experience than what we have been going through here yeah it's so interesting like all of the different places you know you know i have a friend who's in miami and you know they're the covid situation there is very different than people are handing it just in the just in the u.s alone it's like depending on where you are people are like what like you know no one acts like anything's different but yeah, it's weird. I that's really cool though that you're they're um, living on a sailboat. I had a friend that did that with her family when she was in like third grade. Their family took them and lived on a sailboat for a year and homeschooled them. And I just wow. think that's so cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, they just uh, they just started it maybe like six months before COVID hit. Um, my dad retired and they moved down and you know got moved onto their boat 
permanently. Right. And um, unfortunately, I haven't been able to like see him because we were supposed to go down, you know, this summertime time, and that didn't work out. So. Right. Totally. Cool. Anyway, today we're gonna be yes. talking about racing. And uh, let's see, maybe like a month ago, a couple episodes ago, um, you and I did an episode of the four, uh, like, nutrition mistakes, nutrition yeah. and hydration mistakes that athletes yeah. make, common mistakes that, that we make and, yeah. you know, that are easily avoidable, something along those lines. Um, and the, the episode, people seem to really like that episode. So today we're going to be taking a similar approach only we're going to be focused entirely on racing and not mistakes but really like lessons that we've learned so i guess you know maybe they came they stem from mistakes but but lessons that we have learned over our years of racing um and you know and how you can apply them to your training and your racing yeah cool let's do it all right i um before we get started i well, i just want to share last night you know those runs that you're like dreading all day and mm-hmm. uh it was like raining and it was really cold. It was maybe like 36 degrees, rainy and windy. And I was just like, I don't really want to go out there. But I finally got out after the kids went down. It was like dark and cold. Um, and I was, yes. it was just one of those where like a quarter mile in, everything was just amazing. You know? Right. <laughs> it like, totally. it like, yeah. It was, I don't know what it was, but whether it was just because it was so cold and so yeah. quiet or whatever, but my body just kind of like felt great. And I was just running so well so i'm pretty jazzed on running at the moment after that's great me too actually which is <laughs> oh, good. rare because it's been like over a year i last weekend i've been like really slowly building up for my injury and last weekend was like the first run of my first run over six miles in over a year literally and like when you're I'm, I'm pretty much starting from scratch like that's how i'm thinking of it i'm starting from complete scratch like yeah i have like base or whatever but not not a year and a half of like you know, it's not like I've been running since I was four years old. So I definitely have had a rough start and it's been so mentally exhausting just to like go out for these runs where I'm running five minutes at a time with four minutes of walking and still feel like trash. But Mm. last weekend, like totally awesome. I felt great. Like I barely walked. It was like, I just walked maybe one time for a minute during the whole run. And then I did another one this past weekend. So me too. Like the past two weeks has been so awesome. And it definitely shows that like consistency and just getting out there, even though it sucks and your ego is just bruised and bruised and bruised, like very worth it. Very important. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. So these lessons, mine are coming from um, ultra marathon background. I really, you know, of course, uh, I have plenty of road racing experience as well, but I, you know, just to kind of break your mix things up from yours, which I don't know if they're going to be all running or triathlon focus as well. Yeah. Triathlon. Yep. Okay, great. Um, I don't know. I'm going to focus mine on kind of the ultra marathon experience. Yours will be yeah. triathlon, but I think probably for the most part, they'll, you know, no matter what kind of event you're doing, endurance event you're doing, they will apply. Totally. You want to go first? Sure. Um, I can start off with one, and then you can follow, and then we can go yeah, from there. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. The first one is, of course, about fueling, because we have to talk about fueling, because it's mm-hmm. the most important part of racing. Um, but it's not going to be a detailed one, because it's all it is is just to fuel the way that you trained. Um, I, I often find that you know early on, when I was first starting to do races, I just kind of continued to fuel how I felt, which I think is a great rule of thumb if you're training uh, for something that you're not wanting to be competitive or, you know, just training for fun, like listen to your body. I always preach that. I think that's really, really important, but 
you know, part of fueling and part of training is really paying attention to your your schedule of fueling and whether you're fueling every 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whether you're, you know, taking fuel before you go out or whatever it is, like whatever you've practiced and your body has gotten used to, you should be doing that like with a timer on your watch during your race, like regardless of how you feel. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially because as you're racing, like your adrenaline is different, like your hormones are different, like everything is all off pretty much every time I found when I'm racing, like nothing seems to feel right (laughs) the morning of the race. Um, And so I always just make sure like whatever I've practiced that month leading up to the race I'm doing, and that usually sets me up for success. And I find that when I don't, it ends poorly, like whether it's a stomach ache or whether it's bonking. Um, I, I definitely think that's super important just to stick to that schedule that you set up for yourself. Yep. I think that is, that is so true. And you know, you're, you're absolutely right. The race day is going to feel totally different. You're going to feel a lot of nerves before the race. Then maybe once you get going, the adrenaline and the excitement around the other racers and the fact that you're out there, you know, that's why like a lot of times people go out way too fast on a, on during a race. Cause there's just so much excitement and hype and crowd and other runners and you just kind of get lost in the moment. And most of the time or oftentimes you'll often, you'll forget about nutrition or you'll be feeling so good because you're kind of riding this wave for the first hour or whatever that you're just not really thinking about nutrition but it is so critical to stay on top of your nutrition early on and to stick with what you've been training with i I think that's that's great advice great lesson yeah 100 percent. what about you all right so my first one is is definitely ultra marathon focused but you know if you're running your first marathon or half marathon or something like that like you know chances are um it's probably advice that could be translated for or move over to that as well. Um, but this one came from a friend of mine from high school when I was in the first mile of my first hundred mile race. Um, I was kind of running with him and catching up with him, Nick Combs. Uh, he, he looked over or I was like, cause he had run a couple hundreds before. And, and I said, Nick, do you have any advice for me? And he said, if you think you're going too slow, slow down. <laughs> and, and I thought that was like funny advice, you know, but, uh, but I use, I just, I could not let it go. Thankfully, I, d- I could not forget about it throughout the entire next 29 hours or however long I was out there. <laughs> I just kept re- replaying that advice over and over in my head. And it was, it is so true. I still tell that to everyone who's about to run uh, their first ultra marathon or a, a long, especially a long one, like a hundred, uh, but really a 50 K or a 50 mile or two. Um, if you think you're going too slow, slow down because you are almost certainly going too fast uh, for where you're going to want to be several hours right. uh, Several hours later. I think that's definitely something that can be translated to a lot of events. Maybe not shorter events where you're trying to go really fast, but like mm. Ironman distance triathlons or yeah. long swims or long run, like anything that's an endurance, like a true endurance event. Um for sure. Like you, you can't go slow enough at the beginning. Like you have to pace yourself through it. And I think that a lot of people get ahead of themselves and that lesson goes really well, not just for race day for endurance events, but for training. Like, like we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like if you're running your zone one pace and you're like trying to do a long run at zone one and someone passes you or, and you pass someone running, like chances are you're probably going much, much too fast. Like zone one truly is like, 13, 14, 15 minute miles for most average runners. Um, And the other thing is when you're running an endurance event, 
I think people have a kind of a skewed idea of what a true endurance event is. Like even in, in swimming, take swimming, um, you know, the 500 freestyle was like in high school, that was the longest event that you could swim. But right. in the grand scheme of things, like the 500 freestyle is still a technically sprinting. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's not a hundred or a 50 where you need to like be going all, all, all out the entire time. But like it's short enough where you're really not going slow. Or if you're like a long distance open water swimmer, that advice totally, you know, works. It's, it's long, it's slow. You have to preserve your energy and it's all about those like really slow, consistent, slow paced muscles. So totally also just, I cannot believe that you've run a hundred mile race. Every time I hear you say it, I'm like, maybe I should try. And I'm just like, mm, yeah, you no. should. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a tr- run a hundred mile trail race. I could maybe do because I feel like a lot of it isn't actually running. Right. It's like oh, you're yeah. running a the flats and downhills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, you know, it has definitely, I've done five depending and depending on the race, you know, some of those races have, has included a lot of running. Um, yeah. And uh, some of them have included very little running. <laughs> right, totally. Um, you know, I mean, uh, the longest one took me, I think, was 32 hours. And so, you know, if you think, if you break that down by m- minute per mile, I don't even know what it is, but it's it's well over walking pace. Because there was just so much elevation gain and hiking and stuff like that that, you know, it's just... Right, uh, for, just like a lot of hiking. Yeah, just a ton of hiking. And even even the, the, the leaders, and, you know, in that race, I was maybe in the 50th percentile maybe right. probably right. less uh, like further back than that um you know but even the leaders are doing a lot of hiking they're just hiking a little bit faster and running a little harder down the hills you know right totally yeah do you know um courtney dewalter sure yeah she i'm i like i love her i love following her i think she's great mm-hmm. um but i actually saw her hiking once in colorado i was in golden like going up a trail in golden canyon and i'm like I'm a pretty fast hiker, I like to think. Like, I think I push the pace a little bit when I'm hiking. And she's just, she's hiking. Like, she was hiking uphill. She was not running. But she was, like, just going so fast. I was, <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Like, how are you not running? She was clearly hiking. It was just crazy fast. So I think mm-hmm. there's definitely, like, some, it's, like, almost the difference between speed walking and running. It's it's kind yeah. of weird to watch. But, yeah. It is, yeah. Cool. Yeah, this is this wasn't one of my lessons, but it's good advice for anyone who's trying to train for like a trail marathon or trail ultra marathon. Is is you should practice hiking almost as much as you should practice running because if you can get efficient and speedy at that hiking up a hill, um, yeah, then you're gonna make you're gonna you're gonna just beat so many people who who have been doing not practice running. hiking at all and doing right. only running, and then they get to a hill and they st- have to hike and they're like. You know, they don't have the mechanics and they just slow way down. Right. Um, but if you're totally. efficient and, and a powerful hiker, then that you can make up a lot of ground there. I'm a good hiker. Maybe I should do it. <laughs> you're I, convincing a, me. Do it. Do it. I love it. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Um, my next one is all around your gear. So checking your gear. I have so many stories I could tell about this. Um, just being overconfident in my gear and especially with triathlon where like, Running, not so much, obviously, but with triathlon, there's so much freaking gear. It's like, mm. <laughs> like the race belt and your not your bike, your bike shoes, your, you know, the right pedals, your wetsuit, your swim skin in case it's not wetsuit legal, your goggles, your backup goggles, your sunscreen, your fuel, your 
whatever else your running shoes like an extra pair of socks just so ridiculous um <laughs> it's like so absurd when i think about it i'm like wow the packing is just so stressful because i'm like going through when i pack for a triathlon like what i use i used to just go you know wing it but now i'm like really embodying the race i like go through my transitions make sure i have everything on my body like from my head to my toes I have like a very specific setup at transition as to where things are. Like I, I turn my socks out in my shoes. So when I come in from the swim, I can just like slip my feet in. I'm not fumbling with anything. Like everything has like a three times checkover. And the other important thing is like having everything packed before you leave for the place that you're going to race and not just like doing it the morning of or the night before. Mm. I am... Um, <laughs> It was Chattanooga I was racing like May of 2019, I think it was. And my little brother was doing it with me. And this was his first triathlon. He was just doing it for fun. Like he didn't really care about it. He's a runner and a hiker and a mountain biker and like really has no, no interest in triathlon. He was just doing it to say he could do it. And um, I was like, you know, you know, he's not a swimmer at all. Like he can't swim. And he was trying to swim he was so frustrated with swimming and so i i rented him a wetsuit and a swim skin because i was really worried about him and i was like wetsuits typically help a lot of people get used to the water and um i told him that i would bring it for him and you know i packed all my bags and whatever and we get to transition at the beginning of the race 4 a.m and i realize i don't have his wetsuit or his skin skin swim skin oh no (laughs) literally i have neither um and he's like you don't have it like how do you not have my wetsuit skin and i'm like i'm so sorry i don't know what happened i was so focused on my stuff that i didn't think even though i know i said i'd bring it for you and like he did the swim in his cycling shorts and (laughs) it was a disaster (laughs) he was fine like he made it but i felt so bad um but yeah, so that happened, and then there's just been so many times where I've like forgotten my running shoes, and and had to like use someone's extras, or forgotten a bike pump, and had to pump it up if they didn't have one at transition, or just like my sunglasses or my fuel. Like the fuel is a big one because I'm so picky about what I'm eating during a race that like mm-hmm. if I forget my fuel, I'm forced to eat whatever's at the aid stations, and I usually it usually ends poorly. So. Um, Yeah, I would just say, especially with the bike, like the biggest thing that I started doing is when I get to transition in the morning, I always get there early and I either check my bike in the morning and like change my tires, like practice changing my tires in case there's anything wrong with the tires um, or get it checked by the technicians there because it's just like a nice peace of mind to have when you're about to get on your bike for, you know, a 56 mile ride. Like you don't want to get five miles into the ride and realize you had a flat tire or realize that your aero bars are loose or realize, you know, it's just like, gotta just check the boxes. Otherwise you're just going to be worried about that instead of focused on your race. Yep. I love that. I think, uh, you know, that, that last piece about worrying, not worrying about your gear and being able to focus on your race is, is, is really critical for, for a lot of athletes. I know it sounds like for you and, and for me too, I can just start like running through things in my head and, and just, you know, freaking out about stuff like, Oh my gosh, is there going to be this at the aid station or this in my drop bag or totally. whatever? And, and, um, and, and then I, you know, start panicking and, and that kind of derails the next several miles. Right. Um, 
you know, but if you're confident in what you've packed, you're confident in your gear, you're confident in all your stuff, then uh, that just takes a level of stress out off, yeah. off the, the table. Also, just like it comes with time. Like it comes with doing more races. You know, my yeah. first triathlon, I remember freaking out about everything, like mm-hmm. from things I couldn't control, you know, like the the swim, like, oh my God, is it going to be wavy? Is it going to be wet too legal? Like, is it not? Like, if so, what do I wear? Like you get into a habit of like, okay, I know that I'm fine if I have this. I know that I like this. And it, it happens over time. Like your first race, especially if it's a triathlon, like the gear and the transitions, that is so overwhelming. But I would say, like, I practice my transitions a ton the month before the race, no matter where I am in my training. Like, my my transitions look identical from my training as they do to the race, and that's really important for me to have that peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Totally. Awesome. Well, before I get into my next one, why don't we take a second to thank this week's sponsors. Great. This This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Feels. Regular listeners know that nighttime is when I'm most anxious. Nighttime and when I'm in the middle of a race trying to remember if I have any gear. Um, (laughs) Night is when I'm most anxious and end up having trouble sleeping. Feels is a premium CBD designed to naturally help reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Every night I just place a few drops of Feels underneath my tongue and start experiencing the benefits. One of the many things that sets Feels apart uh, is their human support. And I really love this. People have a lot of questions around CBD. I know I did when I first started taking it about the effects, about the dosage amounts, you know, whether it'll make you high or not. It won't. <laughs> um, so Feels has set up a CBD hotline and text messaging support to help guide your personal experience. Izzy, are you a CBD person? I am. I actually started using it when I started um with my foot injury, I was always mm. a like really stressed out about my foot injury, and also just the, the added inflammation that was went up my whole leg. Um, I was recommended to just start doing CBD, and I love it. It's great. I've actually continued to use it even without my foot pain, and I just take it before bed, and it's so it's great. It's it may not be like an immediate oh my god effect, but it's definitely helpful. Right. Yeah, it's not like a shot of whiskey, which right. is good. I mean, you want that kind of it's. <laughs> You know, it, yeah. it's uh, it's just doing its magic uh, kind of behind the scenes, which which I really like. I've been taking CBD for a number of years now, and uh, and I have to say, feels is uh, it is the most premium feeling CBD I've ever had, and it's uh, definitely my go-to. Uh, and I'm really excited that they're part of uh, our sponsorship. Feels has has me feeling my best, and uh, and it can help you to become a member today by going to feels.com/nomeat, and you'll get fifty percent off your first order with free shipping. That's f-e-a-l-s.com/nomeat to become a member and get fifty percent automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com/nomeat. This episode is also brought to you by Element, the electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. As athletes, we know that electrolytes are critical for feeling and performing your best. They help with muscle cramps, fatigue, and so much more. But a lot of electrolyte drinks are filled with artificial ingredients, coloring, and sugar. Enter Element, which is free from all of that drunk, all of that junk. You, you, I'm sure you, uh, you pay a lot of attention to electrolytes when you're hydrating during during yes races i actually love element like i think that they're one of the few electrolyte drinks that has the right ingredients stack so many just have so much sugar and so much added stuff that i have no idea what it is and i'd honestly just prefer to make my own rather than use a lot of the brand so they do a good job 
Yeah, they do an excellent job. And I've been so I've been using them for for training, but also if like in the middle of the afternoon, if I'm having like a slump or if I feel like I'm just waking up dehydrated, maybe I've had a few too drinks, too, too many drinks the night before, or maybe I am you know just you know feeling sluggish because I've had to wake up 18 times from a crying baby. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've been taking, I've been drinking a big glass of water with elements and, uh, and it really, I don't know, it seems to just kind of help it. You know, hydration is just so critical for, for function, not yeah, just totally. throughout training, but throughout the day. Right. Yeah. Element is used by NFL teams, NBA players and coaches and regular moms and dads and weekend warriors looking for extra hydration during the workout. Try Element today, totally risk-free. And if you don't like it, share it with a salty friend. <laughs> I like that one. Share it with a salty friend, and, uh, and, and they'll give your money back, no questions asked. Element is offering something special for the Novate Athlete audience. You can get the Element Sample Pack, which includes the, I guess it's three flavors and one raw, which is flavorless. Uh, eight packets, absolutely free. All you have to do is pay for pay for shipping, which is just five dollars uh, if you live in the U.S. Nice. Go to drinkelement.com/slash/nomeatathlete. That's drinklmnt.com/slash/nomeatathlete. Stay salty, everyone. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. All right. So my next one um, is to you know this is this is one of those things that you know I think that. I am different than some people. You know, I think that every endurance racer, every racer, every athlete is different um, and has their own kind of rituals and things that they like to do to make sure that they are uh, prepared on race day. And this is one of those that is all about mental preparedness for me and all about my ability to kind of stay calm and and, in the moment on race day. And that is to the night before or the day before or even a couple days before, run through the entire race in your head. And so the way I do this is I get a map of the race out um, and I actually kind of literally drag my finger throughout the entire thing. So if, if it's a mountain ultra, then, you know, I'm, I'm looking at uh, where the biggest climbs are, where the biggest descents are, where the aid stations are. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, I'm going to be doing this climb 14 miles into the run, or I'm going to be, um, you know, at this aid station just as it's getting dark and it might be getting cold and I'm going to really probably be extra hungry at this point or, you know, th- that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm literally going through um, the entire race with my finger, looking at the terrain changes, looking at uh, and thinking about how I'm going to be feeling in that moment. So um, for whatever reason, this has really kind of allowed me to let go a lot of uh, let go of a lot of the anxiety that I have going into race day because I, I kind of know how I'm going to how I'm going to feel. You know, of course, right. like you never know when you're going to bonk or, or whatever. Um, but if you know that you're going to be around this point, um, at 20 miles and you know, you're, you're going to be tired at 20 miles, then at least like you can prepare mentally. Okay. There's this really big climb at 20. I got to mentally prepare for that and be ready for it when I get there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that preparing mentally is almost more important than preparing physically. Like for me, I this is actually probably not something I'd recommend, but I, <laughs> I visualized all the bad things that mm, <laughs> might go mm-hmm. wrong because I, especially with triathlon, like it's mostly flat tires. Like that's like that's like mostly what I don't want to happen during a race because you know it it just sucks. It's like you get a flat, it's happened before. You have to pull over. You have to, and then it's just like 
you're out of your groove, you're you're on your bike, you're way slower than you wanted to be on the bike already, and it's the beginning or the middle, and you're just not even close to being done, and you're just pissed off, and, like, so just manifesting, like, what your attitude is going to be if that happens, or expecting that it will happen, it totally soothes me. I'm like, okay, you know, like, this is what I'm going to do if it happens, and, like, it's not a big deal, and, and it could happen, and it might happen, you know, it's, like, pretty likely that it might happen, so I kind of picture those things, um, and then I have solutions for it, you know, like, okay, if a flat tire happens, I know that I have, you know, my, my kit and my bike, so it's mm-hmm. not a big deal, and, you know, if something, if I lose my nutrition on the run, like, it's okay, because I've looked, and I've, I can see what, you know, what the nutrition is at the aid station. So I can see what it is that I can grab, like, worst case. And if I bonk, like, so I have all of those things kind of built in, like, safety nets so to make sure that I'm set up really well for the race. Um, but I also do just visualization of the race in general. I did, I learned this in my swimming, for my swim coach in high school. Before a meet, we would all, like, get after practice, we would, like, lay out on the pool deck and close our eyes and, like, think about the start and the race and, like, touching the wall and flip turning and like what effort you're going to be at at that at that lap and it's really helpful just like go through it soothe your nerves like know that exactly how you're going to approach the race in each part of it and for triathlon it's good because I I train off of heart rate and so I also race after heart rate and that's kind of how I set my pace and and you know I know that like if I'm on a hill and my heart rate's getting above 160, like I need to walk or slow way down because that's going to affect myself later. And so I go through all of those things and my heart rate zones and yeah, it's just helpful to know. Otherwise you're kind of going blind into the race and like Mm -hmm. something bad happens or you get tired or you bonk, like you don't know why and you're not able to react um, because you didn't prepare for it. Yeah. I love it. Sounds like we are two peas out of the same racing pod. (laughs) Same racing pod, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, uh, now, the last one is contradicting exactly what I just said. <laughs> um, don't over-prepare. It's better to be under-prepared. But this is not mentally speaking um, or really in terms of, like, your gear or logistics. This is, I'm talking about, like, your body. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have always said like it's way better to be 90% undertrained than 5% overtrained. Um and that sounds crazy, but it's totally true. I mean, I've had races where I've just trained like crazy for and they have been horrible races because I'm so fatigued by the end of it, the training block and burnt out that like I'm not even ready for the race where sometimes that nervosa that's like, oh my God, I might not, I'm going to be like, this run's going to be rough almost helps me not feel that way. Just like you said, your run last night, it's kind of this like reverse psychology almost where it's like when you think that it's going to be really bad or that you think you might not get through it or something like that, like chances are the adrenaline is going to push you through that. Like you can always do way more than you think you can on race day. Um, cause the adrenaline pumping and all the athletes around you, it's just like an inspiring environment. And so I always make sure like early on the day before the race, I would spend the whole day over preparing. Like I would be foam rolling all day, stretching, like running through all types of things. I would like overdo my nutrition. That's something I always used to do. I used to like heavily carb load, like eat entire bags of pretzels. Cause I was like, I need to have carbs and like, to, like I would make myself sick because I would just be like, I took carb loading so seriously 
And then my digestive system would be so screwed up for the next three days. Like the race, you know, it didn't go as planned, even though I thought that's like how you're supposed to do it. And so in terms of like going about your training and your racing kind of the same way that you just go about your regular days is really important because it helps. It's like, okay, if you, before your long rides or runs or whatever on Saturday and Sunday, if you have a piece of toast with peanut butter before, like have that on race day. Don't change it up just because it's a race. Don't eat 5X because it's, you know, you're trying to carbo load before the race. Like your body has adapted to the things that you're doing. Like you're not foam rolling every day before a long ride and that actually can cause injuries, you know? So I think that's like a mentality that people often turn to because there's an anxiety around, you know, not performing your best or not feeling your best on race day. But chances are, like we said at the beginning of this episode, like, you're not going to feel your best the day of the race. You're going to probably wake up feeling really nervous. Like your anxiety is going to trigger all types of different things. And you're just going to have to go out there and like give it your all. And, and don't kind of change your whole schedule just because you have a race the next day. I think that it often sets people up for failure. Yeah, I love it. I think that's, that's exactly right. That we kind of really want to, you know, you never want to feel unprepared. So you, end up pushing yourself to being overprepared and that's where that's where a lot of the mistakes come in yeah and like our bodies are so much more capable than we think they are and it's crazy like the human body is insane like what it can mm-hmm. push through and like if you think that you can't get through the bike ride you probably can't like my race in um i did nice september a couple years ago and i or no, this was not nice this was in boulder it was a triathlon that was called boulder p triathlon it's an olympic distance and the bike ride is up old stage road which in boulder colorado it's like a famous road it's really really steep for a mile like five percent grade and it's tough like it's a really tough workout i do it a lot in colorado but i had no idea that this race had that bike part in it i don't Mm. this is probably not the best way to do it like but still like regardless i didn't know I, I knew that the bike ride was around Boulder, so I grew up cycling there, so I didn't really, like, pay that much attention to the map. I was just like, oh, you know, like, it's around the roads that I've been on 150,000 times. Like, I don't really need to check the map. But um, as I'm, like, getting on my bike and, like, I had crushed myself in the swim, which I probably wouldn't have done if I looked at the map ahead of time, I, like, go out on my bike and all of a sudden we're, like, riding right towards old stage and I probably wouldn't have even had my triathlon bike I probably would have brought my road bikes it's just way better with climbs and in my mind I'm just like oh my god like we are not going up old stage right now like this sucks <laughs> like <laughs> I do not want to do this but because it was a race like I PR'd my climb on old stage that day without really training for it at all so mm. that just goes to say like I think that we you know we psych ourselves out but we're definitely capable of more than we think we are awesome Love that story. (laughs) All right. So I think we're on to the last one. This is my third and final one. And that is to problem solve and don't ignore. And uh, what I mean by this is that during a race, there's without a doubt, no matter how much planning you've done, how much gear checks you've done, things are going to happen. They're going to pop up. Maybe it's a little bit of a blister spot in your shoe or you get a little pebble in your shoe or... Um, some chafing, you know, happening in a weird spot that you haven't had to worry about before or, or you start to bonk. Yeah. Yeah. You realize, you know, you're like, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 
feeling low on energy and I'm only, you know, 10 miles into this run or whatever. Um, <laughs> then, then the, the most natural thing to do, there's kind of two natural things that, at least for me, uh, one is to ignore it. And, you know, so like, especially, so <laughs> first, you know, for example, a pebble or a little bit of chafing or something like that, you know, like, oh, that's, that feels kind of weird. Uh, but no, it's probably not worth me stopping to take my shoe off or to adjust my clothing or to, you know, get some lube or something like that. Um, it's, it's probably not worth it for that. So I'm just going to keep on going. And then that, that little thing becomes a much, much, much bigger thing further down the race. So that little pebble could cause a blister that causes you to have all kinds of troubles or a little bit of chafing could, can just turn into a massive amount of chafing. Um, and you know, in, in regards to nutrition, like if you're feeling a little low on energy, don't just ignore that. Take action, problem solve, figure out what it is you can do at that moment. It's, it is almost always, and I'll say 99.99% of the time going to be better for you to take the time to do whatever it is you need to do to problem solve than to ignore it and deal with the consequences later. Right. And like potentially end your race because you just didn't take five to 10 minutes to fix it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, to, to, you know, if, you know, if you're, if you're in the middle, if you're five miles into a a run and you have a little pebble in your shoe, like you're not going to want to stop. Then the last thing you want to do is is sit down and take your shoe off and get it out. But doing that could be the, the difference of you finishing the race or not. Totally. Love it. Well said. So, so that's, that's my final advice. This, uh, I think that those were six good, good pieces of advice. If you follow those, you're guaranteed to have the best race of your life, right? <laughs> right. hundred <laughs> percent experts over here. <laughs> haven't, people who haven't raced in like a decade. Just yeah. <laughs> I just signed up. I have a couple of races on the calendar, which is kind of wild to even think nice. about. But, yeah. Yeah. I do not. I, I hope to have something soon. But. Well, you just had a baby, so you have an excuse for like a couple years. You can use that excuse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did when Eliza was born. I had I did some of my best racing. Yeah. Right, get get all your you know every time you have free time you can just let it I all know. out. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more complicated with that. Right, <laughs> couldn't imagine. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, thanks, Izzy. This was fun as always. I appreciate yeah. you jumping on uh, for this episode and um, look forward to sharing with everybody. Great. Thanks, Doug. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye, everyone. See ya.